Yes, you're gonna have people turn their backs, but it's time for us to keep talking. Just keep talking that real, bro. Do what you do, I know what you do, so keep doing that. Talk the real. The HBI lads will see you now. See you now. I don't want to cause no problems. Mm-hmm. I just want to live my life, but I keep... HBR Podcast, Health, Business, and In Between, and we are back. The uh, the trio has reunited and stayed reunited, and it feels so good. Uh, <laughs> Brooklyn's pro out for their people. Uh, but today, we're talking yet again about time. Now, we have talked about healing times before, which we'll come into this a little bit today, but the way we really wanted to talk about this and frame this today is really talking about, in some ways understanding that things take time and when has you know as a health practitioner when has conservative management actually failed and from a you know you as the individual or if you're you know educating a client point of view actually mapping out a full healing process rather than just a symptoms process because in my opinion and this is my opinion where we see a lot of issue across health is people thinking that they have failed to recover or they some kind of level of disability because the practitioner they saw originally only talked about symptoms resolution, not actual recovery, which, you know, fundamentally are two very separate things. So, Dan, where do you, I guess, sort of attack this issue from? Yeah, I think uh, what you were saying there in terms of like actually the first conversation when a client comes in and setting expectations around the difference between symptom management and feeling better versus resolution of the root cause and the, the issues that have, you know, caused this diagnosis or problem in the first place. So, I would always say, look, you know, it's uh, it's going to be X amount of sessions or I'm estimating X amount of time for you to have, you know, feel 50% better, 100% better. However, you know, the most important thing is, and I would always highlight this is, you know, we can make you feel better, but if we don't address any underlying causes, then, you know, we can get, go back onto that merry-go-round and you'll be back in my office in a few months. So whilst it might take seven to 10 days for natural healing to occur and inflammation to settle and you to feel better, it's going to take, you know, three to four months of us building strength and working on these imbalances and you know whatever the scenario is with that person so just making it like a clear i think like clear um what's the word like transparency between what you're doing and just making sure they know the difference between feeling better and actually fixing the problem yeah agreed i think i think the onus is largely on on the practitioner to make sure that obviously they're, they're educating the client in a way that is clear and it's easily obviously digestible and understandable that the client understands what's involved and i guess natural healing different tissues take different times to heal like as you boys said there's a clear distinction between this is how long it will take to feel better and it should naturally feel better you know day to day versus if you want to actually you know fix the problem and make sure it doesn't happen again and move towards a preventative or prophylactic uh sort of approach to, to managing your health then that's a whole nother story and <clears throat> there are many variables at play i think the, the, the practitioner also has to understand like and to be able to diagnose relatively accurately as accurately as possible because that will then sort of dictate the accuracy of um of the, of the time estimation and what's involved and what's necessary in the um process of rehabilitation getting that person from a to z so there's a lot in that um if you boys want to chime on that that yeah vein. so listen i think i'll come in there so i think for a start like timeframes right like and i think we always have to the simplest way to tell a patient about that or a client is around <clears throat> me, having some subjective and objective measures right Subje- as i said everyone first thing we want to do is get you feeling good but what's most importantly long term is objectively we want to see the body moving forward because we know that if we're seeing objective change heading in the right direction subjective is going to follow that process so as a practitioner you need to be able to have these sort of key functional measures outside of just you know i had a, a student come to me the other day as a bit of a junk and we we're all there so i'm not 
thrown any shade if the student happens to be listening. But uh, they'd seen this other person and they, you know, this is their first, just started in clinic, right? First clinical encounter. And they were doing their management plan. I was going through it. He's like, all right. So the current like uh, numerical pain rating scale is a two out of 10. Um, and our goal after like 12 weeks is get it to like a one out of 10 or like a zero. And I was like, cool. Is that clinically meaningful? Right? He's like, ah, uh, yes. And I was like, well, listen, absolutely. It could be. I don't know what this person's two out of 10 pains like for their life. But objectively, it's a very small, you know, frame to work on. And I would argue that a lot of the time that'll just naturally feel better if they had a good night's sleep or uh, hanging out with some mates on the weekend. So objectively, what's their range of motion like? What's their mechanics like? You know, what's their strength like? Because then we might find true deficit. And when we find true deficit, we know we can make improvements, right? And it always comes back to this concept with a lot of people that, you know, we're built to understand or think that in the absence of pain, we must have health and it couldn't be further from the truth because if you look at things like cancer most cancers aren't painful when they're initially coming in you know heart disease i believe the stats are somewhere in the low 50 percent of people the first symptom of heart disease is they die but i would guarantee you in both these cases if we look back at their functional measurements about you know heart stress on you know we did some blood markers and stuff we would probably find deficit and so it would be to say that you know the first time they felt pain was when they started being unhealthy and this is the mindset or the concept we probably need to educate clients a lot more about so they understand the process because as much as it's a cliche and i feel like 85 percent of chiros and probably physios and osteos have that do you guys have the um the iceberg poster that's sometimes in offices so, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's like the old titanic right it's like <laughs> the tip of the iceberg is what we see yeah. What's flying under the water is this giant thing, which is obviously what sunk the Titanic. It's like 90% of the issue is below. And that's really 90% of the issue is non symptomatic, right? It is all the underlying stresses and other things that are happening on the body. And as, you know, as I've famously said, I mean, one times recently is the, you know, it's that classic that pain is the last thing to come and the first thing to go. And then when pain goes, that's actually where we do more work on the body because this is where we've just got the best opportunity to make good quality long-term change but if you don't tell your client that this is going to be a 6 12 18 24 month process depending on what they're presenting because you've got you know ligaments that have to create stretch and reformation we've got you know muscular strength cycles we have to go through then you're already doing them a disservice and i would argue that likely creating a level of disability because they're going to turn around on a you know four weeks into a 12-month process and say they've failed conservative care yeah i think there's a lot in that and obviously Circling you back to sort of how we manage people, um, I think, as I said, you arrive at an accurate diagnosis um, and then that will obviously set you up great from the start. And then obviously you align that with the person's goals. It's like, well, do you want to just become symptom free or, or would you like to, you know, prevent this thing from happening again? And that, that will take X amount of time. And if you, are, if you are the practitioner who understands the facets involved with that person's recovery and what professionals to involve and you know what will speed it up, what will slow it down. I think you, you give them a couple of options. You might go, well, A, it'll take this long. This is all the result you get. B, it's a bit longer of a process, but this is how far you'll get. You know, C, whatever the options may be. You sort of got to, I think people like options and you sort of, yeah. if you lay it out on the table, you can go, <clears throat> as I just said before, this will get you this far, but then this other option will get you this far. It's sort of like, what do you want to do? And that will yeah. also help you as a practitioner dictate, uh, obviously, the path that they that, that they would take. And also, um, you know, you'll be able to explain to your client, I think it, it makes sense to go, well, you might, and this is probably what, you know, we do and what you do is like, well, it'll take X amount of treatments. It'll be X amount required requirement of your effort in the gym, 
Um, if you want to go back to you know playing football, then here's going to be here's a return to running program. This is how you do it. You know safely with a low injury risk. This, this is if you speed it up. These are the risks that it would take. So I think that if you've got a good grasp of the problem diagnostically, um, you're doing whatever you can to work out exactly what the problem is. It will set you up for a really good um, like path from A to Z for the client. And the other thing I wanted to touch on was uh, um, maybe the ethics of you as a practitioner. So sometimes if you're that that guy who might give the shortest time frame for healing, but you're more preferencing your economic and finance over obviously the person's well-being and go, well, look, you know, the last Cairo I saw said this will take six months, but you're telling me it's only going to take me six weeks. So I'm buying what you're doing. So whether you are yeah. like, you can, you know, ethically sort of do that for the person. Um, obviously, you're not trying to um, sell them economically and finance, yeah. financially, but more prioritizing their well-being. So I think put all else aside and you prioritize the person's well-being, you will win in the long term anyway. Well, I think we need to jump on that straight away because I think it's a really important one because there is, and this is not the path I thought we were going, but I think it's worthwhile discussing right now. Slagging off another healthcare practitioner based on the hearsay from a patient is always going to be a terribly risky move, right? And like you said, that's not what you were suggesting, but you know, like people who are like, well, they said this, I'm going to do this to make myself look better. You're not actually necessarily giving the best interest of the person, right? Like I had someone, and I can give this an example, literally last week, I had a patient come in. I said, all right, we're going to look at, they had an initial, I was like, all right, I'm going to see you in about a week. We're going to see how you get your initial response. Then we're going to make our bigger plan from there. And this person said, well, listen, just so we're clear, I need to be mindful of you know, finances. I was like, yep, absolutely, of course. But And one of the other people I did see said, you know, it was going to take, you know, X amount of time and I was going to have to come in this much. I was like, listen, I don't know. I'm going to have to see you before I make a decision. And then yes. saw them. I, I recommended based on what I felt was needed, but I don't know what this other person saw, what time they saw them. And so like you're often getting someone at a different time frame when more has happened. So it's hard to make it as, you know, a, uh, what's what I want to use, like a comparison. So yeah, like you said, don't make it a, like, don't say something that is inaccurate because you are not aware of what was going on at that time. Now that said, some people charlatans, but that li like life will find them out. We don't need to necessarily be doing a lot of that work ourselves. Right. It's kind of obvious. Now, the other side of that, though, I think is a lot of people will, like you said, try to make themselves look good, they'll undercut the other person in order to make themselves look better. And that is a recipe for disaster. Because if you undercut natural healing, you are better be real good because when um, that person is not better uh, when you promised yeah. you're going to have a problem nature and it's very hard to convince someone that you've you know you're like all right we might need to see you more frequently and they're like well so it hasn't been working and i'm going to do more of it whereas you're always better starting at a high frequency and things are going so well you drop it but listen you're doing so good we don't need this we're going to come down they're going the other way so that's a gentle thing but yeah like therapy therapeutic work body work training everything Everything has a dose response. Doesn't matter anything in any kind of health thing has a dose response, right? There's an amount of dose, minimum dose required to get the response. If you are prescribing less than the minimum dose like required, you are likely to get less than the result that you want. Yeah. And it's really just that simple. Now I want to again, not that we're trying to hold Dan off here, but I'm going to full circle back. Something else you're talking about when you said about giving patients options, that's it, right? Like we are talking about get like levels of improvement. Level one is just mainly symptomatic. Level two is working on fixing underlying, you know, deficits and issues. And level three is more on a minimization strategy moving forward, right? And as we said, everyone, and this is again, having worked with students is where I see the 
the mindset challenge is he said, everyone's like, I'm going to tell you where we can go, where you want to go is your decision. It can change at any time. This is what we would need to do to get through each of these. This is how long it's likely to take. Mm. They are then going to tell you, yep, sweet, let's go. And again, that can change as you go along. Or they're like, listen, I'd love to, you know, really focus on that long-term model, but time energy your money is minimizing me. And then you can have discussions about whether that's a true issue or whether, and if it is how we can work around it, then we might have to extend a time frame. It's like, I can't come in weekly. All right, sweet. We can go fortnightly, but it's likely going to mean this is going to take, you know, two, three times the amount of time that it would otherwise. Um, but just having those conversations, right? Whereas if you tell someone they need to come twice a week for four weeks, and then we'll start to bring down from there. And then they come in, you know, twice over that four weeks. And they ask why they're not re- like getting better. We have to be honest and be like, oh, it's because we haven't hit the dose response, right? Yeah. I think unless Dan wants to jump in, there's a lot, a lot in that. And I just was sort of thinking before, like, how often do you actually give like someone a time frame of healing? Like, I don't get, <laughs> Dan, you hit the little reactions down the bottom. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Dan, Dan's trying to put his hand up and get in the conversation, but we keep jumping on. But I think that, um, damn, what was I just saying? I, I just, I you, were, uh, you were saying about the, having the conversation, right? Emojis got you. <laughs> Emojis got me. Having the conversation on, oh, no, nah, fucking I've lost it. All right, Dan, Dan's good job. We'll let Dan have some time. Yeah. No, oh I think, uh, well, I was going to say earlier was on like what you were touching on, Nate. I feel like the more and more you look into it anyway, it's like, well, majority of people's pain is going to naturally resolve you know, by the body having its own self-healing regulatory mechanisms. So it's like how much of what we're actually doing is really making the difference versus how much of it's actually just the body doing its thing on a natural time frame. Like, you know, I'm sure you guys had the same experience but when I first, you know, started and I was thinking I was doing marvelous things and I thought I was a magician. And then after a few patients, I was like, all right, well, you know, how much of it's actually what I'm doing and how much of it's just that naturally going to be, you know, it's been seven to 10 days after you disclose, now you're feeling 50, 60% better. I think obviously we can speed up the process, but I feel like knowing that the body's naturally going to do its thing and you're going to feel better after a certain period of time, switching the focus from making them feel better to switching the focus to that long-term um, you know, strategy of addressing the underlying issues. And then the second thing being like, in terms of the expectation, having some visuals, I feel is quite useful. Like what I did in the clinic was I would have the thing you would have seen, Nathan, in the the, the education program where I had like the time frame of desensitization all the way through to performance. And like what I used to sit them down and say was, cool, like what I can do is I can take you from here to here, which is, you know, pain relief and improved range of motion. But what I need you to do is take yourself from here to here. And these st- steps were, you know, skill and strength and stability and yeah. obviously they work on outside of it and then bringing those two things together i mean like well, all we're going to do is i'm going to do this you're going to do this but if we don't you know progress from this step to this step you're always going to kind of get stuck in that loop of going back and forth so i think like having that conversation early setting expectations and then naturally just understanding i wouldn't say redundancy but like almost like the redundancy in the treatment in terms of they're going to get better anyway and focusing more on you know, driving those long-term outcomes. Agreed. I, I remember what I was saying. I was, I was saying, how often do you, do you give timeframes? I personally don't even give that many timeframes to people. I'll, I'll give people recommendations on frequency of appointments. Um, as Dan said, you play on the natural healing because obviously um, it's a big part of, of what we do, our delivery. Um, but yeah, Nath, how often would you give someone, let's say someone comes in for acute disc injury we they'll go oh how long will this take to get better i don't even find that many clients actually pose the question unless they're, they're playing sport and they've got like a finals coming up or a game coming up and they need to know time frames of when they can get back to their sport or their event obviously it depends on the, the population that you see but often i really am, aren't giving out a whole lot of time frames to people i i'm the opposite on my report i pretty much give time frames to almost everybody 
Mm-hmm. So I want to give them a general idea. So again, I use more of a concept rather than a like a distinct. So, you know, acute disc injury, you're like, all right, what great, like phase one is all about getting people out of pain, starting to improve motor patterns. It's likely going to follow a muscle healing cycle, which is somewhere on the six to 12 week mark. Um, so what I'll probably do is set you a course of care. I'll probably have a check-in exam around six weeks to see if you're ahead of schedule, on schedule, or behind schedule, and we can adjust things accordingly based on that. From there, we have an option to move to more of a second phase where we are being more proactive. We're trying to get more strength improvement. We're trying to really lock in those structural improvements. Now there's going to be ligamentous tissue that's shortened that has to be improved. There's going to be a heap of stuff that has to happen. That's probably going to take, depending on what's going on with an acute disc, anywhere from six to 18 months, right? Depending on clients, lifestyle, all these other things. And from phase three point of view, as we're tracking along through that, phase three is a what we call maintenance performance, right? It's where we are making sure that the external stresses, whether they're physical, chemical, or emotional, are not pushing the body back to that initial start point because most people behave their way into an injury and most people don't change that behavioral path post-injury. So this is where we work on that maintenance performance outcome now that is going to be a long-term thing and the frequency that will be determined by our discussions once we hit x amount of resolution i have a um a functional tracking system that involves strength and or movement and we look for certain percentages of improvement objectively to jump into next phases Mm-hmm. So it's not a, you know, it's going to be three weeks, four days and 27 hours. It's a, this is normally what we would expect. Pardon me, the rains are coming down in the background here. Uh, normally what we would expect in your case, we're going to check in regularly to see if you're tracking appropriately. And if you're not, we're going to look at taking lateral steps, co-management and other things so that we can get the result we look for. So that's the time framing I often will use with people. Um, we'll, I really just while on here, I think there's something that needs to be said before. I have a mixed relationship with the idea of natural, national history and everything just getting better. Because if everything just gets better, why is the recurrence rate so like low back pain in over 90%, right? Like why are these, like there's these things that, again, like we talked a lot of it's behavioral, but if things just naturally fix themselves why do people have recurrent issues, right, from non-traumatic cases? Can you guys hear that right? Yeah, uh, yeah i got a lot to say on this as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to finish this, Fran. I'm going to pass it off before the, I get drowned out here. But Lovely. I just think from a point of view here, like, if you are going to tell people, like I had a, a health practitioner that will remain nameless, tell a patient that their radiculopathy improves by itself over six weeks. I'm like, sure take that risk if you want right but does it actually happen that way because if it happened that way we wouldn't see such high levels of disability early retirement from all these apparent natural history things and i argue that these things don't get better we just compensate into a different movement pattern that then leads to the next thing obviously an acute inflammatory flare is self-resolving once it goes past that i don't know that i agree that natural history is as forgiving as people want to believe yeah uh, yeah, I think that could be a, another topic in itself. I think it's highly dependent on degree of injury, what tissues are involved, um, chronicity. Uh, obviously, we know that certain tissue doesn't heal or might be like avascular in nature and has just a, a horrible or no healing capacity. As Nate said, there are you can make compensations to the way you move and make adjustments about your life that will definitely prevent the problem from happening or at least you can dance around it but if we're looking to you know our goal is on the other side of that wall what are you going to do you can't go around it you can't go under it. you're going to go fucking over it so this is where you know regenerative medicine whatnot really comes into play and i think that the the clinical skill of the, of the clinician will really dictate on you know 
the path of your recovery. So obviously if you've torn, you know, everyone knows what arthritis is. It's a, it's a degeneration of the articular surface of a joint. It's degenerative changes of the cartilage. Why does arthritis exist? Because obviously cartilage is the ability of the cartilage to regenerate is zero to very poor based on a very poor, obviously vascular supply, if not any vascular supply. So why does that exist? And why does it continue to get worse? It's like, well, if you use the argument, oh yeah, natural history in that case of cartilage damage, it's like, well, no, it might become symptom free, or you might've worked out a way to, to dance around the problem. However, if, if you're going to be truthful and transparent with yourself, go, am I doing what I was doing before? Or have I just really reduced my activities or whatever that I do to make sure that this problem doesn't happen again. So as I said, there's a lot to talk about on that topic. And, and Dan was also sort of itching to get in, involved in this conversation. But yeah, with what Nay said, like that initial inflammatory period, it's necessary. It creates a cascade of healing responses and resources and, you know, um, which will trigger uh, a healing response. However, does it always end in, you know, you being back to normal sometimes? Not often. I think that's a good topic for next time, 100%. Yeah, I think it'd be good. That's a can of worms. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's triggered everyone. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm, ready, yeah. I'm ready to go for like three minutes. So uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's a very important one to yeah have that have a proper give it its proper time there. So we'll say that there. But yeah, I think the last thing I'd like to just make the point. I think this is more as like as if you're someone who's listening, who's more a patient yourself, or you've had your own injuries, I think we start this time is like understanding, you know, expectations and whether you're truly like, and for the practitioner, like how to not talk, how to talk people off the ledge, as they say, right? Like the example, I don't know if I gave it at the start of this or I gave it to the boys before we started was the idea that, you know, we'll see a lot of people that try and go non-surgical for different, um, different injuries, say an ACL. We know that's going to be a 12 month process. And then two months in, they get referred by another health practitioner for surgery because it has failed the conservative process. And you're like, you can't, you, you, if you're only like two, you know, one six through, how can you have failed the conservative process, right? So what determines failure, you know? Yeah, like what, what has determined this failure? And is it more just a failure of like biases now taking over and deciding that to go the other way? So, you know, when clients come in and they're like, listen, we're two months in, they're like, I just don't think it's getting any better. And you're like, well, we can demonstrate objectively it is. We also remember, like we said on day one, this is going to be a 12-month process. Mm. Uh, you can go for surgery, absolutely, but it's likely then you're just dealing with the same process now restarting that for another 12 months. Which way do you want to go? And it's having that open, frank discussion like, oh, maybe we should get some more imaging. All right, we can. Do you think, let me explain what we would be looking for, how that would determine, like how that would change things, uh, our likelihood of seeing that and our likelihood of it changing anything. So it's, you know, from both sides, we need to always be relaxed about this because, you know, you know, subtle brag. Finally, after many, many years of trying, deadlifted 300 kilos yesterday. It was a yeah. glorious time. I was very happy, but, you know. 200. 300. Oh, big boy. <laughs> Finally got it. So, you know, I've been trying that. I've been actively trying that for probably at least four or five years. So I've probably been going after it for at least 10 years. And I've been in the gym training for 22 years. This shit doesn't happen overnight, right? No. So, well done. Health, health, healing, all these things take time. And if you invest in the time, you get the best benefit. Doing the same thing with like with quality and with repetition gets the best results. And I can't just harp on about that enough, right? So please, time frames. Understand have a them, plan. Talk about them. Have a plan. And we always get the best results. Fantastic. As always, we appreciate you listening in. Please, 
if you've got something from today or you have comments or you want to argue, please, please. share a shot. Let us know. We're happy to chat. Slide and always in. leave us a five-star review awesome. wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you and we'll right. see you next week. Thanks, see guys. You.